Welcome to our podcast today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. I'm so pleased to have Gina Marcellia from Pizzaport. Pizzaport is a fantastic set of restaurants located here right in Southern California. You can find their website, pizzaport.com. And I really want to welcome Gina to the program, and thanks for joining us today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Gina, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Gina, give us a little bit of your background and how you started Pizzaport. I was a student at Cal Poly studying basically pre-med and uh, ended up going in a totally different direction and decided to move from San Luis Obispo down to Southern California and start a pizza restaurant. So it was not a path I thought I'd be on, but it's a path that's lasted now three decades, over three decades. So it's been fun. (laughs) Did you finish at uh, Cal Poly or you uh, left there and came down here? to the San Diego or LA area? I had one more quarter left at Cal Poly and quit early to start. And I thought I would end up finishing at some point. So, but the opportunity to do pizza port was there at the time. And I still might go back, you know, you never know. How did you find that opportunity? How did I find it? I was, I had quite a few jobs when I was a student at Cal Poly and One of them was I was a delivery driver for San Luis Sourdough Bread Company, and I delivered bread to a little deli that the distributor there, when I was just unloading bread, said there was a place down in Southern California that was available for a pizza restaurant. And I thought I always wanted to move to Southern California because when I moved from Denver, I thought that it was going to be all beaches and sunny and When I got to San Luis Obispo and the weather was not like Southern California, I was on a mission at no matter what to make it to San Diego. And so when that was pretty much when the door opened there was the day I just got in my car and drove to San Diego. Now, how was that deal done? Did you have to put out a lot of cash as a student then? Or how was that set up uh, as a restaurant? Was it a profitable restaurant? Was it struggling? That was pretty much the opportunity that came about was that there was a little port up in Morro Bay. And that's uh, how we kind of found out about it. And it was a struggling pizza place. And the Basically, the business purchase by sell agreement was on a one paragraph and a agreed to take over the lease and all of the loans and all of the debt that the struggling place was going. And I remember when I called my parents and I told them, I said, uh, well, I'm leaving Cal Poly to go down and open a pizza place. And there was just silence on the other end of the phone. And I said, it's okay. I can just finish eventually, or I'll transfer my units and all of my credits to San Diego State and finish down there. And eventually, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. But I got so busy with all of the day-to-day operations at the restaurant that that never happened. So I still have those dreams where I'm walking through the halls lost. I don't know where to go. And I think, you know, that comes from the just the uncertainty of what would have happened if I would have turned down the opportunity and finished school and became a, a physical therapist. And so... That was uh, an interesting decision I made, but I guess when 
there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to look back on. That is an amazing story. And that's really why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Now, at least today, I want to get into all this. We have the microbrewery component added to the pizza place. Was it set up like that from the beginning when you got there? And if not, who came up and how did that idea come to fruition to add the the beer to the pizza? It wasn't set up for a microbrewery. I don't really think anyone even knew what a microbrewery was or even home brewing hadn't really developed at that point. And so... About three months into working and day-to-day, I had called my brother, who lived in Colorado at the time, and I asked him, hey, it's really fun out here if you want to come out for the summer. And he packed up, drove his car out here, and he ended up doing brewing in a little portion of the unused space in the restaurant and just started home brewing in the back and Nobody really knew what was happening, and even the health department came in at one point and saw all of our makeshift tanks set up, and that was uh, not really looked upon in a positive way at that point with the health department. So they said, if you're going to do this, you need permits, you need to uh, be curious about it because this this isn't okay. So we ended up writing a small business plan for opening a place outside. And the SBA said, no, we don't fund startups. If you really want to do this business, you have to add the brewery to your existing location, and then we can consider expansion. So we added the tanks in that unused space where we were brewing the beer just for fun. And we put, we crammed a seven barrel system into a, a very small space. And then we found some of the underground space underneath the restaurant to put some other, some serving tanks down there. We had, I think we started with eight little serving tanks downstairs and a tiny little crawl space that was available. And then we started brewing the beer upstairs and we were just, we plumbed everything to be able to brew and have our first beer. So it took us about three years. We actually opened Pizza Port. In 87, my brother came out three months later, and it took us until 92 to actually serve our first beer. So the permitting and process part took about three years once we started it and got the funding from the SBA, and the build-out took about three months to from start to finish. So three years plan it in three years, I mean, in three months to build the, to serve our first beer. Wow. And speaking of that, it's such a small world. For example, I play racquetball with a guy that kills me, John Rumsey. And what happened was John became not only a personal friend, but he's been doing work for me in a building that I just leased out and I have done a lot of things with. So I said, John, one day I got to have you on my podcast. I said, I'm having Gina from Pizza Port. He said, Pizza Port. He said, "Uh, when I first got in the architecture business, I remember going there to Pizza Port and the ceiling was a certain height so we didn't lift the ceiling but I came up with the idea to lower the floor so that the tanks could go down in the floor so and his wife Debbie I think he has some connection years ago to you and something so he goes it was so many years ago and I've lost touch with them but I worked on pizza port at one time so I was like wow you know what a what a small world I don't know if you remember John but he's an architect he's fabulous and he told me he had a hand in the project 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we used a lot of resources back then just in, you know, at that time, we didn't really know that many people. Contacting people wasn't as easy as it is today. There wasn't even, we didn't even have a computer back then. So we met a lot of great people in the process. So thank you to you if any of you are listening. But between that and our our general contractor and uh, all the people that really loved some of the sampling that we were doing from our little makeshift operation in the back at the time. A lot of people had a lot of great ideas for input that helped us really develop what we wanted to do beyond what my brother and he had a friend that helped him, a college buddy that came out and helped him brew. So it was really just a lot of trial and error and experimentation. And we were throwing things in beer that at the time, the Reinheitsgebot German purity laws uh, were only, you know, water, barley, yeast, and hops. And we were throwing berries and all kinds of things that at the time were unheard of to put in beer, but we had a lot of people willing to sample it. And that was probably the most fun part. And it still continues today, the experimental process and, you know, just the input from our customers kind of drives our creativity. Yeah. Speaking of that, I love eating there and I'm very, very interested in the pizza, but I'm also interested in the beer and I'm sure both of them are important to you. But if you look at your clientele, just, this just came to my mind. What's their priority? I mean, they, they, they want different types of beer. They want to come back for beers. They want additional types of beers added every so often to the menu. Or how much of it is really still geared to the pizza? Like, what is the core business right now? We have over 30 years, over 30 years that we've been in business. A 65 to 35 percentage of pizza is still our main source of the revenue, but it's a maintain the 65, 35 is it hardly fluctuates from that. Okay. That's, and then with pizza, you have different types of crust as time goes on and different options. And so you're constantly updating that menu, correct? We've added a lot to it since the beginning and just mostly salads and some other appetizers and beer buddies or were just an invention because we were trying all different types of combinations of every ingredient. Because when you're there, basically the first uh, three months, I actually lived in the building there at the time. It was 1,200 square feet and we were only utilizing about 800 of it. So there was 400. We were shaping surfboards, we were brewing beer, and we also had a little a little place to sleep there. So we <laughs> would make pizza and, you know, prep all the ingredients and wait for the first customer. And then we would serve them until it was bedtime. And then we would sleep in the back. I'll never forget. I don't think I left the building for three months. And I remember I, it was time to paint, you know, any of the downtime we had, we were just doing repairs and maintenance. And I was painting menu boards and doing everything from the deposits to prepping all the ingredients and I remember it was time we were finally ready to paint the inside of the building and I got on my bike and I said I'm going to ride to the paint store really quick and I'll be back and I went outside the building and I actually just turned around and brought my bike back and I said the paint store is right next door I had no idea that's how involved we were and just all vision and focused on building the restaurant and you know just 
trying to keep our head above water. That's great. And now you have, I guess, brewmasters and everything. Another thing just happened yesterday. My wife worked in a division of Revlon in Carlsbad a long time ago. And one of the ladies worked there moved to Vegas. And her and her husband just opened some microbrewery last week. And so they introduced this gentleman as a brewmaster. So my wife was reading the guy's profile and it said, this guy was assistant ale master at Pizza Port, okay, many years ago. And I guess his name is Joe. And now this guy is the brewmaster from my wife's uh, ex-colleague that worked at Revlon with her as they just opened their operation last week. So... Isn't that amazing? All these people are intertwined here with pizza port. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, uh, what is a brew? What does the brewmaster do? How is important is that as we're talking about that? Is that the person that kind of comes up with the berry that goes in here? And how does that all work? Well, I think that it can be loosely defined because every brewmaster has its own set of responsibilities and duties that they devote to making beer. But for the most part, they're in charge of getting all the ingredients, developing the recipes, brewing the beer, and making sure that all of their standard operating procedures are from the beginning till the end until the beer comes out and is served to the customer. And it really is the most important part of the brewing process is the person that's creating the beer is really the face of that component in a restaurant. And with our five locations, we have brewers at each one and they each have their own talents and different artistic abilities that contribute to the finished product. So that's amazing. Well, that's, that's interesting then because all five locations don't have exactly the same formula, the same beer. So you don't standardize all five locations. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. In our main facility at Bressy, we do our five core beers that are distributed to uh, Southern California, Nevada, and Arizona. But other than those five, the brewmasters at each store have the ability to create where they want. We don't really put any strict regulations because I have faith in where their ability and what they're going to do and how they're going to make the beer. So each location has an entirely different beer list. And then we also have all the guest beers that we bring in. And so any location has at least 20 to 40 beers on tap at any one time with a range of variety that pretty much anybody that it wants to explore different styles, you can find anything on tap at any of our pubs. That's great. And I also see that I read online that speaking of your beers, you have 91 medals. At least that was at that time that that was published, the Great American Beer Festival. How important is those? Are those just for fun or they actually help solidify your brand, whether you're then delivering it, I see, in stores and stuff like that? I'm so proud of our brewers that do it. I can't take the credit for it other than the and we give our brewers to be able to make whatever they want, to enter whatever beers they want at that. But it's uh, pretty incredible. I look back and I can't believe how many medals we've won over the, the years. That's great. Again, we're having the pleasure of speaking with Gina Marcellia from Pizza Port. 
the owner of Pizza Port, along with her brother. They do a fantastic job, and they're joining us today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. And we've got some more questions. How about this canning line? Now you also do that kind of work and you deliver it for distribution. Was that from the beginning or you expanded that as time went along? The canning was always a dream for me. When I saw the opportunity for a can of craft beer, I got really excited, but there were a lot of little canning lines and I didn't want to do it just halfway. I wanted to make sure that we had the best beer in a can that we could put out in San Diego. And canning line we have is from Italy and it's CFT and we do it. We'll can 198 cans a minute. When the product comes off the line, the oxygen levels are really low. So I'm really excited to be able to do that. But it took a lot more time and energy and it took us two years of planning to implement that into our Bressy Ranch location. We just didn't have any of the space in any of our other restaurants. So we built ground up and did a tilt-up building to be able to do the production line and the canning line. It's amazing. If you ever see the canning line running, it's, it's mesmerizing. Oh, I'm going to come and see it, all right. Uh, Gina, uh, you've expanded to five locations. Uh, you had the Solana Beach, obviously, your original location. We had talked about that when I first met you. But did you plan from the beginning to expand it? How did that expansion come? And also, how do you choose each location? Is it by what building's available, the geography, um, what goes into choosing a location and how you ended up with five? The initial motivation was because we never had enough beer for any of the events that we were going to do. And so Solana Beach with a seven barrel system, the maximum we could even put out of there at any time was a thousand barrels. And so that's when we had our eye out and we found a couple different buildings, but the building we ended up is a historical old bakery and it's an amazing building and they most breweries at that time that we were looking at they have to have high ceilings and so it is a beautiful building so a lot of it is just the feeling I get when I go into a building and initially it was all coastal it had to be at least be able to walk to the beach from where it is and then so after Carlsbad my other favorite city was San Clemente and so we looked at San Clemente and then Ocean Beach was a no-brainer, but there just wasn't a lot of availability at the time. And then, you know, our Bressy location is the furthest location we have from the beach, but the closer you get to the beach, the less real estate there is. So it's very uh, centrally located so that we can distribute all of our products. It's actually a commissary for our five locations. We have... Uh, we distribute our dough, our cheese, and many of our ingredients we, we source in larger quantities. So there's a scale of economy that goes into it. But it's pretty nice because any location that needs anything, we have trucks that go from Bressy every day for most of the locations. And then we also distribute to the Petco Park when the Padres play. And uh, we also have a location in the sports arena. Do you own these buildings or uh, you lease these buildings? We lease Solana Beach and Carlsbad. And after that, I wanted to be my own landlord. We have great landlords, but it was nice to be able to do anything we want to a building. So we have, uh, we lease those two and then the other ones are owned. And then Bressy, we built from the ground up. 
Oh, wow. That's amazing. All right, let's talk a little bit about today in the sense of this pandemic and COVID-19 and how that's affecting pizza port. Have you been able to expand to all patio seating and outdoor seating, or you have still a good portion of people eating inside, or how have you dealt with this pandemic and uh, it's affected the restaurant? Other than a rules and regulations that are thrown at us today, I'm going to focus on the positive of the pandemic. And the beautiful part is that the ABC, the Alcoholic Beverage Control, never used to be as flexible as they are now. And they've actually allowed us to be able to utilize the parking lots. And I mean, everywhere, the outdoor spaces have been so creative. And for us, the only challenge we have is our Solana Beach location because we don't have a parking or anything. But other than that, we've been able to move all of our tables outside and create almost beer gardens at every location. And that has saved us through the pandemic. And also our distributed brand has been crucial in staying afloat because we have that opportunity to sell beer outside and in all the grocery stores and other places that basically when draft beer became obsolete, we had our product in a can that we could sell and still survive during all of the challenges of the pandemic. That's it, isn't it? I mean, these grocery stores are packed right now. I mean, because some people don't want to go out and eat at a restaurant, but they're going to the grocery store and spending a big bill on buying stuff and eating it at home. And you're right there with that beer and things available for them. Yes, it's been, and the customers have been so, so loyal, all of our regulars. And I remember even when it first started and everybody was just getting used to the six feet, I would see our regulars in and they supported us throughout from the beginning. And it was so, so nice to be able to see the people. And that was the hardest part about the Beginning on in March on March 13th, I'll never forget. All of a sudden, we couldn't have people sit inside or even anyone at the bar. But we would see our regulars faithfully standing in line for takeout, and you know we were already offering takeout, so we didn't really have to adjust much. But one of the most interesting things was when we did start to be able to offer the outdoor seating, and people could get. We'd still have to serve everything in a to-go container, but they could eat it at the tables. Our dumpsters were filled with pizza boxes. And I realized how much landfill probably everybody's going to have from all the additional, instead of washing the dishes we would normally serve all the pizzas on, it was all in to-go boxes. Are you getting a lot of pickup orders as well? And are you tapping into these delivery services that are out there as well? Or that's never been part of your business as much? People could pick up their pizzas already. So that wasn't even an issue, but we also have DoorDash. We have a few other delivery services. So it's interesting dealing with a third party because we basically lose control of our product the moment it leaves the door. And we just hope that, and we've had great success with that. And I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I also think people are getting more in the habit of taking food to go and enjoying it either somewhere outside or at home. And I've seen a huge shift in that. And it's just been a lot more takeout 
obviously. That's it. I'm wondering what the future of restaurants in general are, but specifically yours, because I'm thinking about it going, yeah, that's great. Now you got a delivery service that can deliver it. But how do you balance that with that 35% which you talked about the beer? Because usually you go sit down and have the pizza, 35% is going to be a beer order. Now that pizza gets delivered, but people may not order that beer. They come in and see what the list is. And so I'm sure you have to adjust your business going forward, as well as a lot of restaurants. Am I correct with that? Or Absolutely. The great thing is we have the cans and six packs and they're affordable and they're very easy to transfer. So a lot, I've seen so many more people take beer to go that would normally just have a couple pints inside the restaurant. And so seeing that has been refreshing that, you know, cause it'll last, it's got a three month shelf life for, for, a, for its optimal taste. So well, that's great. And um, and a, a couple more questions here. These five locations, are you a believer in bank financing for small businesses and using banks strictly? Or are you a person who tapped in, especially early on, to friends and family and so on for financing as you build it? Because some people are like, I'm only going to do business with the banks. I don't want to jeopardize personal relationships with, you know, friends and family. And some people just really, I find that's a that's great for them. I mean, to get their family involved and their friends. How do you look at that? I've never had any hard, fast rules on not having friends or family involved. But for me, we have been so fortunate to have a great relationship with Bank of America. So I've never had to lean on friends and family other than in the very beginning through some intricate rules that the SBA had because we didn't own real estate. We didn't have really anything that we, my parents loaned us $25,000 to do the brewery. And then I personally don't like any IOUs to people. Somehow a bank isn't, a, there's no emotion involved in a bank. So they don't tell you what to do, how to do it. And I find that I've seen other breweries through our conversations that, you know, if, if there's a personal connection, they also have a a strong opinion on what you're doing. So all of a sudden you take on more business partners in a sense that's so much different than a bank, but uh, our relationship with B of A has been great and it's grown over time. And I haven't really had to consider any other options. Yeah, that's how actually I met you, right? We were both with Bank of America and our individual businesses, and I met you at Torrey Pines out on the golf course. What a great time we had there. We were invited by Bank of America. We watched the farmers open there, and uh, I ran into you, and as soon as I did, and then once I started these podcasts, I said, I've got to get Gina on there because I love pizza port. And I'll tell you for our listeners today on Small Business Horsepower, if you're ever in Southern California or you live in Southern California right now, you want to get down to Pizza Port. You can find them in Ocean Beach, Carlsbad, San Clemente, Bressy Ranch, or their first location in Solana Beach, which is the one that I visit. And 
I love the place. And uh, I'm so glad, Gina, that you took a few minutes and joined us today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Thank you for coming on the program. Thank you so much for having us. I know it's a crazy world out there right now with all the different places trying to stay in business. And I just really appreciate all the support we've had from all of our customers and our vendors and everyone that's worked with us and some of the uh, PPP money that has come in to help keep our employees employed as has been essential or we wouldn't have made it through. Well, that's great. And we wish you a lot of luck with it. You can check out the website, pizzaport.com. Gina, again, thank you for joining us and we really appreciate it. We hope to have you back on the program sometime in the future. Well, thank you so much for having me and thanks for all of our employees that have been so supportive and worked so hard throughout. I am so thankful. Thanks again. Bye-bye.